0: Lord we come into this house God recognizing that it was only you who gave us hope it was only you that set us upon a rock it was only you that gave us forgiveness and only you that gave us a destiny and a call and so Lord tonight we just commit all these things to you it's for your glory God it's for your grace that we can stand and so we bless you and Thank you for all that you have accomplished in us and through us. Amen. Psalm 11 and verse 3 says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We live in a time... I hate to say it, but like no other, although probably every person that's ever preached has said that, but uh, we live in a time like no other, where foundations are being eroded, where um, truth and and establishment and and all those things that... that, are, are are reliable or relied upon or are, seem to be eroding away and and I want to talk to you tonight because I believe that God is, is is birthing something both within this body but I believe within the church uh, in the nations about his kingdom but if the foundations are destroyed what do the righteous do where we see eroding of foundations we see moral foundations eroding we see ideological foundations eroding we see ethical foundations eroding we even see theological foundations eroding so what do the righteous do Hebrews 12 and verse 25 says see that you do not refuse him who speaks for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth much more, more shall we not escape If we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake not only earth but also heaven. And now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken the foundations which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. I believe that we are amongst those who can be those that are not shaken. That our foundations are true, our foundations are sure. That we have a kingdom that no matter what goes on in the earth, no matter what foundations are eroding, is unshakable. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. In Revelation 19 and verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in the fine linen, clean and bright. Now we understand that this speaks of the bride of Christ. This speaks of the church. This speaks of of who we are in this time and in this hour. And it was granted to her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints, the, the, the righteousness of those that walk. And, and, and as the church builds and grows, I believe that God is wanting us to get to a place of being that bride, that bride that is, that is uh, arrayed properly for a wedding. A bride, at least, I know a few brides, and I've seen a few brides, they spend a lot of time getting ready for that hour and that day. The guys, well, I don't know, in our family usually go golfing. (laughs) Because it really doesn't matter how much we do, we're not going to get much better. (laughs) Or worse. (laughs) But the bride, she prepares herself and i if you know I, I don't know about you men but i appreciate that the bride prepared herself that she didn't just show up in torn jeans and a you know a, a, a jean jacket and wow well, well, let's just get this over with and move on but she came prepared she came for that moment and and what it does is because Because there was a specialty to that moment. There was something that was a goal. There was something that was set forth. There was something that meant something for that person. And they were preparing themselves. And I believe that is the same for us, that as we begin to understand the fullness of what we are called to be as the church and what we are called to be in the kingdom, we begin to get an understanding of the urgency to prepare ourselves for those things that cannot be shaken, for those righteous deeds, for those things, so that when Jesus comes, He comes for a glorious bride. He doesn't come for some beat-up, whipped-down, Mass of who knows what. But when he sees that bride walking down that aisle, he said, I can remember my eye, I was like, Wow. You know, some things you forget, that I'll never forget. Because it was a bride prepared. And so tonight as we talk about this unshakable kingdom and what God is calling us to, I I want to encourage you because I believe that there is a purpose for the church beyond just meeting and gathering, but there's there's a purpose for what He wants to accomplish in the earth. And that's why He says, Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added To seek first, the kingdom, is the key. See, often we will chase after the added, <laughs> the these things, and we miss the process, we miss the principles involved, and tonight, I don't want to talk about how we get into that place of walking in the fullness of his kingdom, to be in a place where everything else is shaking, but I don't need to shake. Because my foundation is sure. My foundation is in Him. It is upon a rock. And so when everything begins to shake, and and often in our lives as things begin to shake, it's almost a testing time to see where is my foundation at. And I believe God takes us through processes and through times to to show and reveal, not to to show us that we're defeated, but to show us where we need to work on. Is my foundation on this earthly, or is my is my life based on this earthly foundation? Or is it upon an unshakable kingdom? For she's made herself ready. Luke 1 and 31 says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, talking to Mary. And you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, we don't live in a real kingdom these days. It's kind of a quasi-kingdom. But when this was written, there were real kings with real power. And when we talk about kingdom, we talk about authority. We talk about um, a king who has rulership in our lives. And this, I believe, is very important for each one of us to begin to understand that we aren't just here for our own existence. And can I say, we're not just here for our own personal salvation. That's the door into the kingdom. But if my whole purpose is just to save my bacon, when the fires come, I've really been very selfish and very single-minded. Because God says, I'm going to bring you in, but I'm going to usher you into a whole new world where formerly you did everything for yourself and the world revolved around you, right? As good little children, we make sure our children understand the whole world revolves around them, right? And then all of a sudden they get into the real world and they go, where's dad? Where's mom? Well, that's, that's an important part as you're growing, but eventually we get to a point where we have to be responsible for our own life in the natural, but also in the spiritual, There's a time I believe in the kingdom as we begin to understand what the kingdom of God is all of a sudden I realize there is someone out there that is greater than I am. Not the I am, than I am. (laughs) And his name is Jesus. And yes, he died for my sin and that is a very important part of the thing. But that wasn't the whole purpose. The purpose was to get me into his purposes. To be part of his kingdom. Because it's an everlasting kingdom. It says he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Matthew 6 and 10 says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. See, it's easy for us to translate Jesus and say, Well, his will is being done in heaven. And he may be accomplishing his will. But you see, part of the, the process of us getting saved is that we begin, and I believe that's why he's saying, We pray this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that before we ask for our daily bread. In other words, God, your kingdom come in my life. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Part of our entrance into the kingdom is understanding that he has a will. (laughs) He has a will for our life. And that his will, and part of the growing up process, is understanding that his will is often better than my will. Have you ever had a strong-willed child or thought you did? Right? Everybody has a strong-willed child until they meet somebody else's more strong-willed child. What is strong-willed? Well, a strong-willed can turn into a great leader if it can be subjected to his will. If it never can subject to his will, it will always be in a spirit of rebellion and, and, and waywardness. And that's us. Before we meet Jesus, before we get saved, before we understand, our will is against his will. We have a fallen will. We have a fallen understanding. We have a fallen, deprived mind. And as we get saved and as we begin to walk with God, all those things need to come into subjection to His will. He just got real quiet. Ephesians 1 and 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory of his his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. What are the inheritance? What is the riches of his glory? There is an inheritance that each of us has. And like when we get saved, you know, you can can have an inheritance in your family, but if you never tap into that inheritance, it's not doing you a bit of good. You may have the written document that says you own this, 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 and this because of your inheritance, because of who you were. And this is what we're talking about. As we begin to open that door and come into his kingdom, we don't understand all that he has for us. Now, I I don't want to block that inheritance. I want to come into the fullness that he has for me. And so as I begin to walk, I begin to understand, hey, his will for my life is to come into that inheritance. Each one of you has an inheritance in Christ tonight. And if we don't set that before us, we don't understand there's... So, not, not something to get, but it's something that God has for us, a purpose and a plan. We never walk through into, into that inheritance. His will is that we walk into the fullness, the glory of the inheritance of the saints. Romans 5 and 17 says, If one man's offense or by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more, those who received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Will reign in life. In other words, if there is an inheritance for me and I am called to reign in life. Now when we talk about reigning, we understand that's that's having authority over. That there are things in life that I have authority over and that God wants me to have authority over. There are areas in my life, there are emotions, there are things in my life that I need to reign over. And if I don't begin to understand that God's kingdom is here to teach me how to reign, part of what this is all about is learning how to handle the authority that God is giving you. How have you ever had a really lousy boss? I'm not looking at any of my employees, there's a few of them in here. Someone that couldn't handle their authority. It's miserable. But God is here to teach us how to handle that level of authority, to walk in the fullness because we are called to reign in life. Colossians 1 and 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory the riches of the glory of his mystery. In Matthew 18, it says, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So our main purpose isn't to get saved, It's the door into what we're called to. You can't get into the kingdom without being saved. But you can get saved, and can I say never enter into the kingdom? Because entering in means beginning to walk in a level of authority that God has given you, and part of that is getting His will in my life So that I can learn how to handle the authority and the realm he has for us. Listen, I believe the part of the role in the church is to speak into nations, to speak into cities, to speak into situations. And if we can never learn how to reign this life, this body, these emotions, how are you ever going to reign in a nation? And so I want to encourage you, because part of what we're learning is to, and and I'm trusting it's stretching us a little bit, but to walk in the authority that God has. And chances are, if you're like me and most of us, when we hear the word authority, we cringe. Because that sounds like something heavy. (laughs) But we are called to walk in that level of authority so that we can set people free. We're here to set the captive free. Well, part of learning how to set the captive free is having the keys to open those doors. Matthew 7 and verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. That is a sobering statement. (laughs) Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Until we deal with the authority issue in our life of his will over my will, we cannot enter in. We cannot open that door. Because until I come, I can never be over until I'm under God is the only one who can be over without messing it all up. If I'm over without understanding I need to be under, I have a problem. Satan, the enemy, (laughs) he was an angel, but he had a problem with authority. He had a problem with authority. When you look through most of the rebellions through the Old Testament, there was an issue of authority. Who made you Lord over us? It was an issue of coming under before they were over. Jesus is our example in the garden. He's about to go into the most tumultuous days of his life crying out to God. He's, Father, if it's your will take this cup away from me. This is Jesus. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. He came under. <laughs> he could have said, I've had it with this. Find a new Savior. We know he wouldn't have, but he says, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And that's the place where we enter in to the kingdom that's the entry point of the kingdom we don't get anywhere until we deal with our will and recognize that our will was is there to to um to to submit to the lord and as it's submitted to the lord then it's a very strong thing but it's when it's not submitted to the lord it becomes a rebellious thing And so if my will is submitted to his will, all of a sudden I can move forward. You need to have a will. Your will will drive you forward in the midst of persecution. Sometimes we just need to will it through because we understand it's the will of the Lord. So when we come into things in this life, we have to understand, and there's three things I'm going to deal with as we face um, both coming into the kingdom, but also as we face different things that begin to shake us in our lives. And this question will keep coming back to us, as we, I believe, as we begin to really touch the issues of life. Listen, there is a battle out there. There is a spiritual battle for your existence, for your life, for your spirit, for your healing, for your provision. If you don't understand there's a battle, you're missing it. But we, ha- we are more than conquerors for those who are in Christ. That's what this is all about, It's learning to be conquerors. It's not learning to be defeated. Please, don't hear, hear me. Don't feel like, oh, I'm defeated because there's an enemy out there. No, there's always been an enemy out there. If you don't understand the enemy, you're in trouble. Because all of a sudden the enemy is going to come and start speaking into your life and you're going to go, you're going to think God left you. And God hasn't left you. The enemy's lying to you. And as we begin to walk, and so there's, there's his will. So once I've established his will in my life, now there's his way in my life. And these are a difference. Some people don't have a problem with the will of God, but sometimes it's the way of God (laughs) that becomes the issue. Romans 6 and verse 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. We are called to walk in newness of life. How many for newness of life? Okay, the way to newness of life. I want the fullness of God. I want everything God has for me, but the way to the fullness of life is death. That seems contrary. That seems depressing. That's why you're very quiet, or else I'm doing a lousy job. But the way to life... See, this is the difference in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of this earth, you do everything to experience life. You live life to the fullest. You just go for it. And before long, you're dead. You may not be dead dead, but you're dead. Your spirit's dead. Your emotions are dead. Everything's dead. In the kingdom, we die first... And then we come into life. Oh, this is... I I hope this is of the Spirit. Part of the reason we as a society have to numb ourselves (laughs) and the government is allowing us to numb ourselves now legally is because we have to get out of our situation. We're unwilling to face... I'm just going to say it. (laughs) We're unwilling to deal with it, so we muffle it. We intoxicate it. We numb it. God does not want you to numb your sin. He wants you to deal with your sin. He wants you to nail it on the cross so that you can come to the other side completely free. I'm tired of numbing drugs. Not that I, well, my kids are here. It was a very long time ago. But it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It just prolongs the agony. But when you wake up the next day or the next week, the agony is still there. It has never been dealt with. Only till you go to the cross and you kill that thing do you come to the other side and say, I am set free. I don't no longer need to be numb to life because I am here to live life and to reign in life and to walk in His glory and to walk in His presence. See, there's always a counter to the real. And the real doesn't leave you hungover. I have never come away from a Holy Spirit encounter hungover. I'm ready to face the next day with hope and encouragement his way is through death but it's a good death because it's a death to all those things that don't help this is what we have to understand the definition of sin is that thing which doesn't help it just doesn't help And so we deal with it, we put it on the cross, we move on. Uh, Romans 6 and verse 9 says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. His will done His way. Listen, overcome that thing. Break it. Work it. Don't deny it. Don't put it on a shelf. Deal with that sin in your life. And you come through to the other end and you, you, you get into the Word, allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, allow Jesus to cleanse you, and you come to the other side, and all of a sudden you don't feel beat up. You go, man, I overcame. I overcame. I am so impressed with those people that have been on drugs, that are in this church, and you know who you are, and you're dealing with your addictions, and you've had times of failure, you've had times of setback, but you keep pressing on. And there will be a day for you where you'll be able to stand and say, this thing no longer has rule over my life, but I am reigning in Christ. 2 Timothy 2.10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. For this is a faithful saying, if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we die with Him, if the Son of God can die for us, Deny himself and die. I think we could die. (laughs) If we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, part of the way is enduring through the death process. Some of you are very young. Your death processes are probably very short. Some of us are older, know what's coming. And sometimes that death process, and listen, I don't want to extend my death process by my own rebellion. I want to get this thing dealt with. But how many of you know at times when we hang on to things that are so silly to hang on to? And God can't move us past until we deal with it and we hang on and we, we, we deny it and we numb it and we, get off and we just don't deal with it. Deal with sin quickly. And you can run. Why would we drag a ball and chain through life when God says, I want you to run. I want you to reign. I give you the ability to reign. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And if we deny him, he will deny us. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 20 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but those of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. And so therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master and prepared for every good work. Within a big house, and I, I, I don't know where or how the whole body of Christ works, and I don't know if that's what the big house Jesus is talking about, and His grace is sufficient for more, but I don't want to be the one who's made out of wooden clay. I want to be a vessel of honor. Well, to be a vessel of honor, it says, if anyone cleanses himself, there is work to be done. Your discipline, your will, done the Lord's way, creates a cleansing. Yes, Jesus cleanses us, but there is a, you know, he sets us free, but then there's freedom to be gotten. And that's where, where my, my discipline comes involved and my, my going to the cross and saying, I'm not going to give in to this thing. He says, we're going from glory to glory to glory. And he's changing us. And so I take a step, and then I take a step, and maybe I take a step back, but then I go, no, I learned from that step, and I move forward. And God sets us on a path. His way is perfect. His way is, is good, but His way is through the cross. It's through the denying of ourselves. It's coming to that place where I'm going to say, I'm going to do His will, but not just His will, I'm going to do it His way. You know, in Moses, when they went into the land, the will of God was for them to go into the land. And they went and spied the land, and they they were afraid. And they said, hey, listen, I don't think we should go into the land. There's big giants, and there's big stuff. There's good stuff, but there's some bad stuff. Now, they understood the will of God to go into the land. The way was to go into the land then. And they stopped and they said, I don't think we should go in. And you know the rest of the story. I'm not going to preach it tonight. But the third thing, so it's his will, it's his way, but it's also his timing. To truly enter into the promises, to enter into the things of God, we have to understand his will, his way, and his timing. You see, those same spies or that that same group, the next day said, well, okay, we understand, we're sorry, we'll go in now. Well, the time was done. The time was yesterday. Now the new time is 40 years from now. And see, sometimes we can hear the will of God, we know the way of God, but then we rush the timing, or we delay the timing. Listen, timing is as important as His will and His way. And I think for us, especially in a in a in a McDonald-driven culture where everything's instant, sometimes to wait upon the Lord is difficult. Sometimes to wait, when God says, listen, I want you to wait. You know, and he may reveal his will, he may reveal we may know his way, but he says, wait. Well, I don't want to wait. I am a guy who does not like to wait for anything. And so the Lord has to tether us sometimes, say, listen, just wait, just wait. It's worth the wait. You rush in, it's not going to be ready. You know, the turkey isn't cooked, don't eat it. Bad consequences. Wait for the turkey to cook. But I can't wait. Yes, you can, or you will die. The same thing with the purposes of God. I know His will. I've learned His way. I've walked through those things. And now I've gone through all this process of dying to myself and I can't wait to live. And God says, just wait a little bit longer. Why did they have to march around that silly city for seven days without saying anything? It could have fallen down on the first day. They just spent 40 years preparing. Walk around this wall. No, they had learned their lesson. We are going to wait for the word of the Lord, and when it comes, we're entering in the proper way. Because if we rush this thing like our ancestors, or if we delay it like our ancestors, we're going to spend another 40 years walking in the desert. How many of you are tired of walking? Well, let me answer that. How many don't want to walk in the desert? But we want to learn his will and his way and his timing so that at the right moment, can you think, this blows my mind. Jesus waited until he was 30 before he was in the ministry. That's ancient when you're 15. This is Jesus. I'm sure he was adequately Prepared at 12. He already had a following. He already knew the calling. What did he do for 20 whatever more years? This is why I'm not in math class anymore. 18 more years. He learned to be a carpenter. He learned to walk under the authority, please hear me, that God put in his life Joseph... And he learned how to hammer a nail and learn patience and building because he understood he was being prepared by God. See, sometimes, and oh, this I just, I'm not going to say this, but I might as well get in trouble now. It's just about over. Sometimes the timing is tied to the authority that's in our life in the earth. And sometimes when the timing doesn't happen, we blame, please hear, forgive me, but... We blame that authority. And sometimes we bypass that authority. And I think we end up going around the mountain a few more times. Because reigning, kingdom is authority. And listen, Jesus submitted himself to Joseph. Like, who was Joseph? But he submitted himself until his time had come when the Heavenly Father said, listen, you've learned in the carpenter shop, now you're going to walk in the ministry. And his ministry was for a certain amount of time, but it was perfect and it was right. It was not rushed, and it accomplished all that it was set forth to accomplish. God's timing is perfect. If we like it or not. Matthew 5 and verse 10, and just as I close, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is a persecution over your life that will come when you embrace the kingdom. Because the enemy, you know what, the enemy knows he can't do anything about you being saved. But if you begin to walk in the authority that God has called you to walk in, to overcome His wiles, His his little ploys, and you begin to walk in the fullness that God has for you, all of a sudden He's understanding His kingdom is in trouble. And there will be persecution. And that's when you need to know when to wait on the Lord because it's in persecution, the first trick of the enemy is to say, well, God doesn't love you anymore. You must have committed the, the, the abominable sin. I don't think that's the right word for it. It's the abominable snowman. What is it, Pastor Ron? <laughs> Unforgivable sin. And the enemy begins to work on our mind, works on our will, works on our emotions. And it's in that moment that we begin to understand, no, my will, it's not my will, it's His will. I am dead to sin. The way of the Lord has been resol- resolved in my life. I am in the perfect timing of the Lord. So enemy, get out of my path. I'm walking into the fullness that God has for you. I'm standing upon the Word. I'm part of an unshakable kingdom. So no matter what you touch around me, it does not, not, is not going to bother me. And this process as we begin to walk and as we walk through life, We understand that God prepares something in us. And I believe God is preparing a people, not just individuals, but a people who know their God, who will walk according to His will and walk His way through the cross. That no matter... That's the thing. If the enemy killed me tomorrow said, blessed are the martyrs. For theirs is the kingdom. Those martyrs could go to the the stake. And it didn't matter. Because they were already dead in Him. What are you going to do, Paul says, to this mortal body? For it's crucified with Christ. And so as we close, I want to encourage you. And I trust, trust through some of this you can take some truth. Because I believe God is looking for a bride who has made herself ready. Who is walking according to His kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 23 says, Each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits and afterward those who are Christ at His coming. Then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom, of God, kingdom to God the Father and He puts an end to all rule and authority and power for He must reign till He has put all His enemies under His feet. Let us stand. Feel free to come to the altar if you need prayer, but I just really want to pray almost a prayer of commissioning upon you if you'll receive it. Because I believe that God is wanting to build within His church a people who are kingdom people, a people who understand authority and who understand how to walk both under but in authority. Who are unshakable when everything begins to shake. When the enemy comes with accusation, they can stand and say, no, this far and no more. Who are more than overcomers in Christ. So Lord, I pray for this people, God. I pray that as You begin to impart Your Spirit to a greater degree within Your church, God, That, Lord, there would be a tenacity that rises up within your body to understand the fullness that we have within your kingdom, God. And that, Lord, we would be willing to do your will, to do it your way, to walk in your timing, to bring you the glory, God. And so that, Lord, in that day, when you look down, you can say, it's a glorious bride. It's a bride prepared that's robed in fine linens of righteous acts of the saints, God. And that, Lord, You would bless this house and bless this people, God, as they embrace Your purposes and embrace Your kingdom, God. And we pray a blessing over each family, over every household, over every person, God, that, Lord, Your glory would fall, that Your glory would come, and that You would subdue nations, O oh God, through Your purposes, Lord. Amen and amen.